Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Alive for More, a dialogue with Catholic young adults produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire the universal call to holiness. And now, Alive for More. Welcome back to Alive for More. My name is Father Nick Ventura, and I'm joining the studio by Trisha Kasson and Joel Yarmish. And, we you know, we ta- often talk about how the church is such a great place for all of us to be part of, and all are actually welcome in the church. But before mm-hmm. we begin, let's go ahead and start with prayer that we may unite our purposes together. Joel? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together today as friends to discuss our faith, to discuss our opportunities at Mass, and to discuss um, how we can better share our faith with others in Mass by being hospitable. So we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So earlier I just quoted one of my, um, I'll, I'll admit, freely admit, it's one of my least favorite um, hymns that we sing in church sometimes, not because of the message, uh, by no means. Everybody is welcome in church, it's just the melody. But anyway, Father, but, I'm not familiar with the melody. I'm not going to sing it right now. So if you don't know it, uh, consider yourself blessed in my personal yes, opinion. we're starting off on a good note. We and, <laughs> <laughs> no, no pun intended. Uh, oh, <laughs> get it? Wait, wait, I didn't get it. Like, Never no, mind. No, like, no. he said we're not starting on a good note, and I asked you to sing. I'm playing. Playing chess, you're playing checkers, Father. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to Alive for More. I'm really glad we're here. Um, So, you know, all are welcome in the church. And sometimes, yeah, I've often heard the comment uh, sometimes from uh, people growing up, like, oh, the church seems very quiet. It's not like, you know, not everybody's hugging. Or, you know, sometimes you might go into a parish where they say, stand up and, you know, greet someone you don't recognize. You know, Mm -hmm. different activities to make the parish seem more welcoming, but what we wanted to talk about, or at least I wanted to kind of open it up with, is are we a welcoming enough church? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we have a place for everyone in the church? Uh, Definitely. I think sometimes, or maybe when this is illustrated, you know, in a sense clearly, is when someone's getting married and there's going to be non-Catholics at the wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we tactfully say, like, you are so welcome and we are happy that you're here and we are glad that you are here, Mm -hmm. but you can't receive communion. You know, like, how can we tactfully (laughs) reconcile all of this? And what does it mean? You know, why can't they receive communion? Or sometimes, you know, people from, uh, especially if you're in a parish that's like in an inner city, people who, uh, who maybe live on the streets or... Uh, can go into churches to find mm-hmm. sanctuary, to find shelter. Um, you know, are they welcome? Yeah, it's, it's so ironic, I guess, because the word Catholic itself means universal. It means yeah. It is for everyone. It is open to everyone. But I feel like there's this negative connotation that we ha- that Catholics have a, a bunch of requirements. Before you can do this, you got to do this. Before you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I do, I do believe that that's kind of a misconception because the whole, our, the whole point of our faith is whether you're, um, regardless of your state in life, mm-hmm. we are all called to be members and functioning, participating members of the community. Right. And I mean, I guess the example that kind of comes to mind is like, you know, if you want to be a concert pianist, you got to know how to play piano. Right. Um, Now, it's not just about the individual, but you still have rules to follow. And in a similar way, all analogies fail. But in a similar way, you know, to be 
part of there to be Catholic, there are things that we have to do. So, for example, uh, to answer the question about why can't non-Catholics receive communion at, say, a wedding, is because by the action of receiving communion, we are stating with our action, I am in total agreement with everything the Church teaches about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that may not be the case in our own personal lives, and the Church doesn't want us to lie. You know, doesn't want us to be dishonest with ourselves. So that's why, you know, there might be the polite sort of things at this time. We invite all Catholics to receive or we explain, you know, in different little paragraphs in different ways why other non-Catholics cannot receive. So, Father, um, the word amen means Mm. let it be so. Let it be so. I agree. I believe. So when the priest holds Jesus in Mm -hmm. the Eucharist and says, like, this is the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. I'm saying I believe like let it be like, yes, I believe that is the body of Christ. Mm. So some people um, might respond to you and say, well, father, I'm not Catholic, but I truly believe that's the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so how do we, how do we explain ourselves to maybe person struggling with that? So, you know, the body of Christ is not just, you know, I mean, the Eucharist is the source Mm -hmm. and summit of that is the, you know, the, the essence of, of the body of Christ, but the body of Christ is also the wider body of the church, mm, yeah. you know, so that it's also the symbol of saying, this is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. This is the body of Christ. Do you agree? And even though they might, they might believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, they may not agree that the Catholic church is the fullest expression of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm in the fullness uh, of the truth. So that's where, and and the church, again, doesn't want people to lie to themselves Mm -hmm. or to do anything dishonest. It's just saying, hey, you know, if you do agree, okay, then let's let's get you in here. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, you know, let's let's get through through RCIA. I mean, it doesn't have to be a process. You know, I've often done the case, sometimes if I encounter somebody and, you know, it's basically just a paperwork thing, it's I'm okay with uh, admitting them into the church with the proper, you know, ceremonies and stuff. We don't have to wait till Easter, but generally I like making them wait till Easter, not mm. because uh, of a process, but it gives them an opportunity to pray and, and to reflect. prepare and, and reflect. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a knee jerk kind of decision. So what about in the case where someone is maybe um, coming into the church because they need the sanctuary of shelter during Holy Mass, or maybe it is somebody who isn't part of the body of Christ within the Catholic church, but thinking about and trying to, to figure out, is that the truth? Do I want to be a part of this? Is somebody welcome at Mass who's not Catholic? Yes. I mean, the, the simple answer to that yes, is right? yes. Like, everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome, to- but you kind of address, you have two different situations. Mm-hmm. One is if someone's curious, uh, you know, just curious, wanting to know more about Catholic Mass, that's one situation. Then you also mentioned, you know, maybe someone using the physical building of the church as shelter. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that kind of gets into a very complicated situation of both of, you know, okay, yes, we are a sanctuary, but then, you know, other, you know, stewardship questions we have to ask, safety and security. Is this, you mm-hmm. know, the safest thing for everyone involved? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that people who, you know, are doing that are have ill intentions. By no yeah, means am I suggesting that. Mm-hmm. But sometime, in our day and age, sometimes we do have, we have to, you know, you know, protect 
mm-hmm. uh, our families. We have to protect. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like in your own homes, I imagine, you just don't let anybody walk in. I mean, if someone needed help, you would let them in. Mm-hmm. But it's not just you don't leave your door unlocked at night no, kind that, of deal. That definitely makes sense. Um, you know, and I, it's very clear what the church teaches on, let's say, things like marriage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like the indissolubility of marriage mm-hmm. and the beauty of the sacrament of marriage. It's very clear on what the church teaches about life, the sanctity of life and protecting life from conception to natural death. Um, what do we say to the people who maybe have suffered a divorce in their life or who are raising a family in something that doesn't look like a traditional family? Maybe they're single parents, maybe their grandparents raising their grandchildren, um, and they and they're sitting in the pews at church. Like, how can we make them feel more welcome? I mean, first addressing the fact that we have to recognize that the human family is broken. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not. I haven't met a single person, myself included, that doesn't ha- isn't affected by the broken relationships we experience in daily life. Mm-hmm. So that has a place in the heart of Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ came to die on the cross to bring all of that brokenness to the father, you know, so it has a place in the church. God has a plan for that. Um, but often is the case in the midst of that brokenness There's a lot of emotions there's a lot of hurt. There are a lot of wounds that kind of distort our ability to, to see Christ clearly. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I'm very hesitant to say distorts reality because the thing is that is their reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not being, yeah. you know, relativistic here. Mm-hmm. That wound is their reality and that is their world. And so just address that can be brought in the context of Christ, but it, it may hurt their ability to see the church as a sanctuary for them. So I guess, uh, I mean, what, yeah. that is a good question. What do we do to make sure they feel they have a place in the church? Mm-hmm. Sure. As a parishioner, um, you know, my wife and I, we, we bounce around to parishes a lot because of children's sleep schedule and things like that. But when we do, we are regular at, um, attendees to a particular mass. And mm-hmm. um, the best thing that we can do or the best, the, the way that we can reach out to people of, you know, two, you know, two parent household, one parent household, whatever it is, is, is to take the opportunity to be a community after mass. Um, and, and one of the things that we've done in, in this situation and situations like this, we get to know the people in our mass. We get to know the people. Uh, yes, these people, you know, are mom and a dad and a baby and they come to mass every week. Well, there's a mom only and their baby and they come to mass every week. So we talk to them and we, we, we say, how's everything going? Things like that. And we, found one particular couple where they just needed some help getting to mass mm-hmm. on the weekends. So my wife befriended them and, and we're helping out whenever we can. And, um, and, and just, just being there in whatever way we can to support. I think the key is that to uh, borrow a biblical term, like just to don't treat people like lepers. There's yeah. not, mm-hmm. there's not, there's not some disease because one family is different than a, another family. There are, mm-hmm two parent households that are, are broken as well. I mean, there are brokenness in every human being. It is a flaw of humanity. And within the brokenness, we are all called to be alive for more. You're listening to life for more on St. Gabriel radio. You can listen to us on Thursdays at noon or Sundays at three or online and on demand at St. Gabriel My name is Trisha Casson and I'm joined in the studio with Joel Yarmish and father Nick Ventura. And we're just talking about 
you know, this idea that who is welcome in the Catholic church? And the answer is everybody, right? Christ, like we want everybody to experience the fullness of the church. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think oftentimes people feel like they're not good enough to be at church or they don't belong because their family doesn't look like, you know, the traditional family, or maybe they're struggling with addiction. So they feel like they can't be there or, you know, whatever, or maybe they're not Catholic. So they don't want to, you know, experience a mass. Um, And so we're just kind of like talking about these topics and father had posed the question, like, what can we do? How can we minister to people? Um, And I think something we can do is talk about it, like talk, talk about the fact that, you know, people come from brokenness and what is mercy, you know, Christ's mercy is for everyone. And it's taking what's how Christ has this like beautiful ability to take something that is broken and that is ugly and make it something so beautiful and so precious and so worthy you know, worthy of love, worthy, you know, and so to talk about that mercy, to talk about Christ's mercy, to talk that like we all come from brokenness. But I think something we can do as lay people is to not assume things about people, to not right. see a family in the pew in front of you, to not, you know, see a teenager dressed in modestly or artistically and then make assumptions, right? right? And um roll our eyes or, you know, to not hear unruly children and look at them with disgust and Amen. assume that they are so not taken care of and their parents don't teach them manners, right? Like mm. I just think we have to stop assuming things about the people around us and start worrying about like loving them. It, you know, that sounds kind you know, of cliche, see, but seeing where they are at yeah. their point in life and addressing them. I know one of the, uh, I mean, I know people mean well by it. One of the most heartbreaking things sometimes I hear as a priest is, you know, if I'm in a new parish, they say, Oh, Father, I came back because you're here. And it's like, because the implication is, Oh, I left because of another priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's not about the priest. Mm-hmm. You know, priests come and go. Um, and we can be jerks sometimes. Homilies can be good or bad. Right. I, I, I mean, Boring or exciting. Yeah, I mean... That will it, be news to your parishioners, I'm sure, one way or the other. Uh, no, no. They, they're, probably, uh, they're probably like, yep, that's, uh, that's true. Father Ventura's homilies can be very boring sometimes. And, or not helpful at all. And the thing is, it's not about the priest. It's about you know, being in the presence of the Lord um, and just encouraging that and how we, you know, can give people that benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see someone like it takes first loving the Lord. Why are we there in the first place? Recognizing that. Can I give, well, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. Can I give one simple example of how you can be hospitable in sure. your parish? Every single one, every single person out there is a, is a great way. So um, it is convenient to sit on the outside of the pew. I get that. <laughs> I've sat on the outside of the pew before. I see I where it. this is going. <laughs> there, are, there are health reasons to need to sit on the outside of the pew. But my soapbox would be, if you do not have a health reason and you do not have a screaming two-year-old on your lap, I would just really urge you to pray about moving towards <laughs> the middle of your pew. Because there is going to be somebody, a parent, running five minutes late who just wants to sit down somewhere but is going to need to get up with a, a crying baby about five minutes after they sit down. And if they're not on the end of the pew, then they're going to have to climb over you to get into the pew and then over you to get out of the pew. And so that would be just that would be my suggestion is just to pray on that type of thing. Pray because- on it and and be be open to letting people in. Um I, I do. It's actually as a priest up at, uh, in the sanctuary, I kind of look out and I and I see that that drama uh, unfold, and I'm like, you know, if they just move to the center, 
All of that could be avoided. I mean, so I, I, I 100% ma- agree with you. I occasionally will go to mass by myself, and I just I sit right in the middle of the pew, and I just feel so proud of myself. And I'm like, <laughs> I did. If I did nothing else today, I have done a service to whoever gets to sit on the end with their child. And, and you know, Jill, I'm glad you said that because as a young single woman who doesn't have health concerns, I never thought to sit in the middle of the pew. So, I mean, speaking of you know, single gun- young adults, in what ways can single young adults feel unwelcomed in the church? Yeah, you know, this is interesting because I've had a, you know just a friend recently, and I, you know, I've seen it before where m- maybe they're struggling with a serious sin, mm-hmm. and their Catholic faith is important to them. Mm-hmm. They um, have, you know, it's something that they value. It's something that they see identity in, and because of this sin, they feel like they don't belong. And so, I have friends who when they're struggling with sin, they stop going to mass and they stop going to the sacraments. And that breaks my heart because I think that for whatever reason, you know, they don't feel welcome there. Uh, You know, they feel like they can't be in front of the face of God. Um, But I think when we're struggling with, you know, our own sinfulness, when we're struggling with brokenness in whatever way, that's when we need the sacraments the most. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's how like mass can feed us the most. And I don't, I don't know. Christ came to, call the un- wait how does it go christ came to equip he didn't oh, come co- to equip the call he came to no he he doesn't call the equipped he doesn't <laughs> call he doesn't it. call the equipped he equips the called yeah and so. and so in a sense i don't know i just as young adults like we don't have all the answers and we are in a time of our life when um sin is just like thrown in our faces left and right and I don't know. I just think that's when we need Christ the most. I think one of the way, I mean, having been a single young adult going to mass, even while in seminary, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was a single young adult, the, you know, like, what are you doing here? Kind of like, oh, it's, I mean, I know they're trying to be welcoming, but sometimes they can come across as like, um, you know, whoa, shouldn't you be out doing something else? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, hey, what's your name? Uh, Where are you from? Let's get to know you. Um, As opposed to like being surprised when a young person is Well, there. and also as a single person, it's hard. Sometimes I think it's hard for people to go to mass because who goes to mass? Families, right? Like husbands and wives go together. Kids go with their parents. Um, and so sometimes I'm sure it's hard for young people. I'm sure I, I know it's hard for myself sometimes to go to mass by yourself and be surrounded by all of these people who are, who I guess I'm assuming are families or in these happy relationships. And here you are alone, mm-hmm. but no one should ever feel alone in the church. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I sometimes have daydreams like, oh, what will it be like just to go to Mass? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure the parents <laughs> with the kids screaming as, and wanting food. Well, no, not and- even that, just as a priest. Because my experience of Mass now is always from the sanctuary, from, mm-hmm. you know, having to be, you know, the celebrant. Sometimes I just wonder, you know, what would it be like just to go to Mass, to go to the middle of the pew <laughs> and and just be at Mass? So, like. Yeah, it's funny. As as a parent, uh, I actually have the uh, not to disprove your point. I have the opposite effect. Like yeah, I want to be. Like you see, I want. I, I'm. I feel like I'm so visible at mass with my children that when I go by myself, I just want to be invisible. Sure, I want to be like, the human phenomenon. Seen. The grass is always greener. You know. Yeah. Right. And that follows us everywhere. But I I do I think mass in the Catholic Church is. You know, just such a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary to shelter. I'm so well, happy to have it as my mother. But I see other people who feel left out or not. You maybe don't feel as at home as I do. And what can we do as a people to welcome them? I know there's been a lot of efforts in a lot of different parishes throughout the Diocese of Columbus trying to yeah. start a young adult group. You know, 
And it can be difficult because, you know, young adults are kind of the most mobile uh, form I said form of life, but for lack of a better term, they're the most, you know, mobile form of Catholic that we have. They could move the next week to a new job or, you know, they can go to a mass time that suits them because they don't have a family and they have to drag out of bed to get ready. It's just them. So, you know, they've tried to start different young adult groups, but, you know, that doesn't have leadership because, you know, it's just that kind of uh, mobile thing. But I think it's a beautiful thing that's kind of starting. I just learned about it today about, you know, young Catholic professionals, you know, something that's, you know, beyond a parish. Is that is that the way that, you know, young adults can get involved is just beyond the parish or should we be working within the parish? So, you know, don't want to ever place the blame on the people who feel unwelcome. Mm-hmm. But I would say, what I guess in, inside my head, the, the answer to the solution is if you feel unwelcome, I would look for opportunities to get involved at mass, look for opportunities to volunteer. Uh, like Father Nick said, it might be like ripping off a Band-Aid at first. They might see, mm-hmm. what is this young whippersnapper doing here trying to involve it, themselves in this life? But if you get involved in parish activities, you can't be involved in parish activities without knowing people. And then mm-hmm. it's difficult, I, I would think, it would be difficult to feel alone at mass if you were aware of the people around you. Even, you know, when you attend mass with someone else, even if you're there with someone else, you don't interact with them a ton at mass. You're just close to them. And you just, the relationship of, of knowing them makes you feel like you're close to them at mass. And I would say that I recently got involved in uh, uh, an opportunity at my parish and I met these people that I've probably seen hundreds of times. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I go to mass all the time and I'm like, I know these people, but their faces didn't recognize to me. So I'm, I have, and I, uh, we do some Saturday morning then I go to mass the next the next Sunday, and it's all these people that I thought I've never seen before, and they're all there at mass. And I'm like, oh, that's that person. That's that person. That's mm-hmm. Dave. Like that we know. I as soon as you get involved, those people who you felt who I felt you know quote unquote unwelcomed around the people that I didn't know at mass. Well, they're my they're the people I know now, and so now it's more of a community. So being welcome in the church is kind of a two way street, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are things that we can do to welcome others, but then if we're feeling like kind of on the outside of a parish community, it takes effort on our part to say, you know, I'm going to do that. So if there's a parish activity that we see, you know, I think the often excuse, Oh, I'm too busy. You know, I can't do that. Well, you know, something I was always told by my own dad is if you want to do it, you're probably going to succeed. If you don't want to do it, you're probably going to fail. <laughs> um, so it's kind of that, you know, it kind of has to meet halfway. If we want to be welcomed, claim your place in the church. Um, it's the, the, the body of Christ can only go so far. If someone, I mean, if you keep moving the goalposts, you're never going to score the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at some point, if we want to feel welcome in the church, is say, no, I belong here. And, you know, because we already we've already established at the beginning of the show, we talked about that. Everybody has a place in the church. Jesus Christ died for all and the body of Christ has room for all. But then once we establish it is to say, I belong here. This is my place um, in the church. You know, you don't want to say it out of pride or anything, but there is that call on our part to say, here is my role in the church. Um I don't know. I, I guess that's my soapbox. And that's when I, what I see, you know, from a priest's perspective is like some people are waiting to be invited, but there's only so much inviting the church can do before it's just like, 
accept the daggone invitation, please. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we're taking a, yeah, we're taking a slightly less hospitable approach than we started, but I would agree with yeah. you that that's the old 80, 20 rule. I, I mm-hmm. think I've read somewhere in this number is probably not even, it's probably more generous, but mm-hmm. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the parishioners. Yep. And, and like your, like your dad alluded to, if you, if you want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't mm-hmm. want to do something, you'll find an excuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yes, it's the church's role or it's the church's, uh, duty to provide opportunities to mm-hmm. volunteer, to be a part of the parish and to provide activities that will appeal, appeal to the parishioners, give enlightening talks, give, um, service opportunities. But at the end of the day, the onus is on us, the parishioners to, to make that step and to make that leap and, and difficult to, to be hospitable to someone if you don't get them in the door. And, right. it, and just lastly, if you are maybe on the outside of a parish, like you're not even a parishioner, um, or you're wondering if the church is for you because, you know, your life looks different than what you think everybody else's life looks like who is in a church. We can just look at the way God has used broken people since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the communion of saints. It is full of people who came from broken families, who struggled with serious sin. Um, St. Paul, who's one of our greatest saints, you know, murdered Christians before his conversion um, and we just have to trust that God will work through our brokenness and that there is no better place to heal from that brokenness than within mm-hmm. the sacramental life that's found in the church. I mean, the church isn't a sanctuary for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. It's a place where we... So, yeah, the church is full of hypocrites. <laughs> I mean, I'll be the first one to be in that line. You know, there mm-hmm. are things that we do that aren't in line with the church, but we're working on getting there to be faithful to God. We're all in this together. And so I know we kind of took a different tack, but it's just that whole, you know, two perspectives. Question for you as a priest. Are you open to feedback from parishioners if they tell you they don't feel, uh, I am open. I am open to it as, I mean, I mean, just like any other human being, I mean, I, I have my own emotions too. So if it's said in a way that's like, it's your fault, I mean, we have a natural reaction to be defensive, right? Right. So if it's said in a way that's like, have a solution ready. You know, if you come to me, if someone comes to me and says, this is a problem and you need to fix it, I'd be like, well, well, how do I fix it? I mean, give me, give me some feedback here to fix it. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I think it does. And then one last, let me squeeze one more question in. Okay. Do you uh, write your homilies with the consistent, with the people, like the parishioners who you see every Sunday? Do you write your homilies with those people in mind, or do you write your homilies with the idea of this could uh, be re- this homily could be given to any audience anywhere? In the world? It depends on the situation. Um, generally, I try to write a, write a homily that can apply to most, but I might be addressing certain. I, but you have to be careful that because you don't want to feel like you're singling anybody out. Interesting. Um, so I think this is a great discussion. You know, talking the 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 li- leaving point is that everybody is welcome. And we got to work to welcome people in. But then on the other side is taking that step saying, I do belong here. So, well, thanks for being with us on Alive for More. My name is Father Nick Ventur. You can join us Thursdays at noon, Sundays at 3, or online on demand at com. The other hosts of the show is Trisha Casson and Joel Yarmish, and we've had a great time together. We're going to close with prayer now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, Give us hearts after the likeness of your Son, that we may see in our brothers and sisters their dignity that you have given them. And we ask this all through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Until next time, God bless you.
Alive for More is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Alive for More and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.